Listener, beware. You gave us the scares. Hello. And welcome to Say Podcast and Die. It's a mini-sode. I'm Alyssa. I'm Andy. And we are here to talk to you today about some Goosebumps podcast-related things. Yeah, some news about us and to us. Yeah. Yes. So, what do you want to start with? You want to start with the fact that we're in The Guardian? Oh, yes. We ended up in The Guardian. And no one told us. Yeah, no, which is not a criticism of the lovely person who did put us in there, who is Joe Koning, a audio editor for Guardian Australia and also a goosepunk. He added us to this list that different people on the Guardian Australia's podcast team put together, described as gripping escapism, 17 podcasts to distract you from the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, it was really exciting. Joe wrote about us, hosted by Andy Crow and Alyssa Green, say Podcast and Die is a show where two queer horde nerds sit in a closet and revisit the Goosebumps series, as, as you know we like to say. Joe writes, Sometimes I wonder if I would have had the same relationship with horror if it wasn't for these books, and hearing them re-examined has been transporting. Coronavirus, you say? Trapped inside, am I? I couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. I'm too busy asking, was the factory gas leak in Dark Falls that turned the residents into undead inspired by the Amoco plastic plant explosion of 1980 or the Formosa plastic plant explosion of 1991? Joe, thank you for at least listening to our first episode. Yeah, it's a nice little deep dive there. <laughs> well, and something that was really cool for me about this is uh, some of the other podcasts on this list are Code Switch and You're Wrong About Two podcasts I really enjoy. Yeah, it's podcasts that we love and respect, and we're like, holy shit, we're on this list, too. <laughs> no, I thought it was a mistake at first. I was just in bed and not ready to get up yet, and I decided to Google our podcast name, and it came up, and I was like, that can't be right. And then <laughs> I clicked on it, and as I was reading the list, I was like, no, it's probably not on here. I don't know why it came up, and then bam. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. So Andy was in California when they discovered this and they called me and it was like first thing in the morning and they were like, we we're in the Guardian. I was like, I haven't had my coffee yet. I don't think I'm hearing this right. <laughs> so even though we just read aloud to you exactly what it says, go ahead and click on it anyway if you're curious. Uh, I want to know, Alyssa, how do you feel about being described as gripping escapism to distract someone from the coronavirus? Awesome. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's partly what we were doing for ourselves, too. It's so, true. Yeah. That, that's what this podcast was doing for us. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Yeah. If it means that I can fulfill the role for others that our two dogs fulfilled for us <laughs> these past couple uh, year and a half. And Arl Stein. Yes, that's true. And God, in my childhood, too, right? We're, yeah. We're following in Arl Stein, in Papa Stein's footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, he definitely pr provided us with gripping escapism that we so sorely needed. Yeah. Can I give you kind of a funny sidebar? Please. So my mom shared this article around, as, as moms do, and one of her friends wrote to her and said, can you believe how they described Andy and Alyssa? And she was like, what are you talking about? And she pointed out the two queer horror nerds thing. And my mom had to explain to them that's how we <laughs> self-describe. All three of those words are compliments. <laughs> three types of people I want to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different generation. They played yeah. Smear the Queer, you know? Yeah, yeah. On the playground. Do you want to talk about the other coverage? Oh, yeah. So just, I guess, to say thank you so much, Joe. You can find and follow Joe on Twitter at J.S. Koenig. Now that's K-O-N-I-N-G. J-S-K-O-N-I-N-G. Um, and thanks again. Yeah, thank you. It really just... 
we were floored and honored and so excited. Do you want to share our other news in news? Yeah. So the other bit of news is we were interviewed by A.E. Osworth, who is a novelist who we had on a Guest Punks episode several months back. Yeah, the Ghost Next, Next Door, Door episode, if you want to visit it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, and so... So they have a column called Scaring Children uh, in Catapult, which is all about horror for children. and From the 90s and 2000s, basically. Yeah. yeah, they started revisiting some of this stuff at the beginning of the pandemic, too. And so they wrote this incredibly thoughtful article about Goosebumps and about the construction of childhood envisioned by Philippe Arias, who was one of the people I had to include in my fucking dissertation and uh, in critiques thereof. And they also talked to us about Goosebumps and they wrote too about their own experience with Goosebumps as a child. Yeah, it was a really great read for me. It meant a lot to me, partly because it was just this really thoughtful representation of what it can be like to be non-binary in a way that is not that doesn't fall into this really rigid definition that I think the straight cis world wants to think of as Mm non-binary, you know, where the idea is like perfectly androgynous or perfectly an exact blend of male and female and has always been since birth without any question. Like that is Mm -hmm. the perception and the slot that we're expected to fall into. And it's really nice when people, especially other non-binary people, are like, no, there's lots of ways to have or not have a gender. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important. But then the other thing I really liked was the opportunity to shit on the Andy Griffith show. (laughs) Although I will say I misremembered part of what happens in that. So Andy Griffith did indeed make his son listen to the baby birds whose mother he'd shot peep away waiting for a mother who would never return. But then there's another part to the episode where they rehabilitate the baby birds and send them off. Well, so, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that makes more sense. It does make more but sense. But the fact that that's a thing that he was making them do is also in itself horrifying. Well, and then the thing that I was listening to that talked about this, it was saying what a groundbreaking episode it was because it's like, oh, he didn't beat his child. He gave him a psychological punishment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just traumatized him forever. Yeah. So, but as is typical, my brain turned it into a horror. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah. I think fairly. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, too, is like I said, that children's literature started in the early 19th or in the 19th century at the earliest. And then afterwards, I was like, was it earlier than that? I don't know. So whatever. It's been a while since I've I've studied children's literature in any system systematic way. Yeah. But Alyssa, you've been in the literary critical world for a while. You know that when you're trying to say when something started, you literally just pick a random moment in time and make an argument. That's what Philippe Arias did. Hey, hey. in good company. Are you with me? I, I don't know. In company. I guess so. <laughs> anyway, uh, check out A.E. Osworth's article in Catapult Magazine. Yeah, and you can listen to their Guest Punks episode and be sure to check out their novel, We Are Watching Eliza Bright. Yes. And you can follow them. Oh, by the way, the article is called Ingredients of a Goosebump. And you can follow A.E. Osworth on Twitter and Instagram at A.E. Osworth. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's in the news, but we also got some... News from Goosepunks. That's right. Important Goosebumps information from, weirdly, two different Goosepunks reached out to us at the same time about this one specific thing in a Goosebumps episode. Oh. So, One Day at Horrorland, one of your favorites, or is it your favorite? I don't think I've ever seen the episode. I, I mean, really the like the book. book. Yeah. yeah, I know you love the book. I, I haven't seen the episode either. And 
One of our favorite Goosepunks women enthusiasts reached out to us to ask if we'd seen the One Day at Horrorland TV episode, and I said no. And women enthusiasts said, that's really silly, it's campy and goofy, which is something that Alan Doucette has brought up a lot, is how when Ron Oliver was brought on to the series, it got super campy and he was a gay man himself, which I think probably that was some of the energy we picked up on that <laughs> you know, drew us to the to this show. But anyway... Women Enthusiast said that they really milk the Horrorland as a TV show premise and have fun with it. Sounds great because super meta, you know, I love that. But then she says uh, they have a flamboyant gay stereotype horror and I don't know how to feel about him. Settled on, he's lovely for now. And then weirdly, another goose punk reached out to us to ask about the very same thing. Huh. So on Instagram, goose punk Sierra reached out and sent us four videos, which they had basically recorded this section of One Day at Horrorland off of their TV that has this gay horror. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they all vanished before I could show them to you, but he's he's making stereotypical gay gestures. He's kind of fawning over the family as he's putting their makeup on for TV. Are you looking it up right I now? I am. Also, I wouldn't mind being referred to as a gay horror. <laughs> okay, let's try this. Oh my god, let me scroll. We have another show coming up. A game show. And you're going to be the contestants. Game show? Just want to go home. You can't go home. What do you mean we can't go home? You can't go home. Because if you do, you will get that new car. What new car? Who said anything about a new car? It's a grand prize on the game show. I don't get it. I understand. You're confused. First you find out monsters really do exist. And then you find out we have our own cable channel. version of squid game yeah utility vehicle dad an suv <laughs> they keep saying sports utility vehicle show the morrises to make up will you okay here we go on this way pardon me oh jeez. oh my god So the horror's wearing pink. Oh, I stars. Oh, kind of a bathrobe. Oh well, they call me the miracle worker. All right, come along, sit down, sit, don't lollygag now. I wonder if they're referencing someone specific in the crew. Snacks here, if you care to partake. There we are. Some eye of Doyle and ear of Holyfield. Booger surprise. No thanks. No. Suit yourself. He's got, like, pedophores. Yeah. You're not going to hurt us, are you? <sighs> Darling, we're monsters, but we're not monsters. Oh. <laughs> and they've got cable. This way. <laughs> wow, real monsters, and they're nice. One more. They're nice. <laughs> right, off we go, then. Time to go. Come along. Wasn't keep you waiting. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Hey, Come on. Bye, Bye now. <laughs> Man, wait till everyone Hurry hears up. about this. Well, what do you think? It's interesting, like... Should we just describe what you yeah. just saw? Yeah. So we just looked up the video and the gay horror works in makeup, wears a, a sort of shiny pink robe looking thing. Maybe a kimono. Maybe a kimono. Yeah. Very flamboyant. Offers them petty fours. Yeah. Uh, has a pink, you know, powder puff. 
that he's sort of booping on all their faces. <laughs> he boops them. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's the kind of thing where... So first of all, as a kid, like that age, I would not have really recognized what was happening there. Yeah, you'd be like the youngest kid in the family who goes, wow, monsters and they're nice. Yeah, exactly. Which might be, I don't know, it's like for the 90s, a pretty progressive thing to say about gay people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because I think when you're a little older, that plays like, oh, of course, like gay people just like that, you know? Yeah. And then when you're a little older and you're us, you're like, yeah, gay people just like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it really, it's one of those things that it, it puts down a lot and you pick it up based on your experience. Yeah. So it's hard to say. But I wonder how it speaks to different people too. Like, a boy who's into makeup, for example. Yeah. You know, seeing a representation of that, but also one that's kind of made out to be comedic and a warning against being like that. It's both like, here's a possibility of something you can be. And also, if you do this, you're the butt of everyone's joke. Yeah. And but it, nice. Yeah. And like, he's saying we're not monsters, but they are all monsters and they all, are all going to try and kill them. Yeah, that's so, true. I don't know. I mean, there's also like a long tradition of like, you know, queerness as monster. So mm -hmm. it does sort of fall into that. Uh, but for children. Yeah. Well, but I think that's the interesting thing is not all the horrors are queer. There's yeah. just a queer horror. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably unrelated, but we both laughed when the segment is first introduced and the host goes, do you want to play? Do you want to do a game show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And also the family was very excited because their prize might be a sports utility vehicle. And they kept saying sport utility vehicle. Yeah. And they're like, we could have a lot of fun with a sport utility vehicle. Yeah. Can you? I mean, it's also not great product placement when you're, you know, your demographic is children. Right. It's a missed opportunity there. Get kids excited about the SUV. So anyway, Sierra said... So Sierra sent these video, th these four little videos covering that segment and said... Oh my ghouls, this monster makeup doer is so gay. There's no way it's not a gay monster. You're, yes, that's correct. <laughs> One Day of Horrorland, Part 2, Goosebumps, Season 3, Episode 9. And I was like, wow, it's not even coded gay. Just straight up blatantly gay. So thank you to Sierra and thank you to Women Enthusiast. And are you talking to each other? <laughs> are you friends are you the same person <laughs> i've never seen you on the same platform oh one of these is an instagrammer and one is a tweeter i mean the mystery remains well whether there's one or two of them excellent goose punks all yeah <laughs> and so lastly we wanted to read a follow-up message from goose punk robert who had emailed us uh several weeks ago and had tantalizingly said he had another story and we we got, you know, we, we weren't over it. We weren't above begging. <laughs> Robert writes, to the two amazing horror hosts, Andy and Alyssa. Yay. I'm here for the flattery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what this episode kind of is. <laughs> Thank you both for reading my first Goosebumps anecdote on your Theories and Queries episode, number 19 for the superfans. That was so exciting to be part of the show in a way, and I appreciate the shout out about my comics. As requested, here's my second spooky Goosebumps tale. But be warned, this one will scare the Capri Sun out of you, Goose Punks. <laughs> it's titled The Cave in the Cliffside. I love the mood being said. I love that you gave it a title. Love the reference to Capri Sun. <laughs> this story takes place during my seventh summer on a trip south to Disneyland with my dad and grandmother. 
From my home in the Bay Area, this was a seven or eight hour trip each way, so I armed myself with my original gray Game Boy, oh hey, some of the latest Animorphs, and of course, a couple goosebumps to reread, specifically Ghost Beach. You know, the original gray Game Boy, ours lasted until at least... I was like till like the late two thousands. Yeah, they were well made. Yeah, this is this sounds like a great road trip I so know. far. My dad and grandma decided to surprise me on the way down to L.A. We stopped at a super cool hotel for the night instead of in L.A. It was built on a cliff overlooking the ocean. For a couple hours that day before we arrived, I had been buried in Ghost Beach, and to arrive at this foggy, strange hotel was so exciting. I'm picturing Bates Motel. Yeah, definitely <laughs> creepy Victorian mansions of California. The next morning, before we continued south to Anaheim, my dad and I carefully walked down the old steps behind the hotel, built into the sheer cliffside, and then walked along the beach. Eventually, we came across a cave in the cliffside. I remember that moment so clearly, that pure childlike excitement, just like in the book. I ran inside before my dad. Oh, God, I'm just picturing his dad, like, just, like, in slow-mo, like, no! (laughs) The first thing I remember seeing was their bright red hollow eye sockets. Then I noticed the birds cawing at me, echoing like mad in the shallow cave, angry at me for disturbing their feast of death. If this was a Goosebumps book, the chapter would end here, but don't worry, Alyssa, no fake outs in my story. So when I first read this aloud to Alyssa a few weeks ago, uh, she did a spit take (laughs) at that moment. (laughs) Robert's good at at crafting a narrative. Uh, Yeah, I mean, truly. I stared at the carnage in shocked horror. What I had walked in on within the cave were the corpses of five or six huge dead sea lions and a flock of birds that had been happily devouring the eyeballs of these poor creatures until I interrupted. That must have smelled so bad. That must have been so traumatizing. (laughs) Oh my god, the eyeballs. I was frozen. I don't know how long I stared at that super not cool scene. (laughs) At some point, my dad came in and I think led me out of there. (laughs) I mean, that must have happened at some point. (laughs) All this is still burned into my mind. Vivid. Thankfully, later that day, we arrived at Disneyland for my first time, and so much joy was had. This is very much the ending of a Goosebumps book, right? It totally is. And then we went back to the dance. Yeah. Still, I do remember riding the slow part of Splash Mountain and gazing out into the fake swamp's waters and remembering the corpse's bright red eye sockets. The story may sound fabricated, but aside from some writer's flourishes for entertainment purposes, everything happened exactly how I said. Honored to be a part of the show, I'm now caught up and have listened to every episode, and I eagerly await the new eps. And I would love to hear y'all dive into an Animorphs book sometime, since they continue to come up. I'll be listening regardless. Best damn horror podcast out there. Thank you for the hours of entertainment and many more. Goosepunks forever. That's so sweet. That was fantastic. And such a cool story. Mm -hmm. Wow. Robert, I want to read more of your horror writing. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Also... Just what an interesting way to get introduced to so many things at once. What's yeah. a sea lion like up close? What are some things birds eat? You know, what does it look like behind your eyeball? What color is it? Those are really different interests right there. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Goosepunks, for, for writing in, for sharing things with us. For, for giving us a distraction from the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, for sharing us with other people. Thank you, yeah. It really means a lot. We love every single one of these messages. Even if we are not the quickest to respond, we do love them and get to them and talk about them. Uh, it means a lot that you're listening and engaging. Yeah, please keep doing it. If you got a story to tell about something scary that happened to you or something you think about horror or a thing you think we should read or a theory you have, 
your experiences with Goosebumps, we want to hear it. So just write it up and we will talk about it on the show. And you can send it to saypodanddie at gmail.com. Or you can send it to our Twitter or Instagram account as one or two people um, <laughs> at saypodanddie. Specify, are you one people or two people? <laughs> Listeners beware. Send us more scares. Ooh. Ooh. Good boo. Good boo.